you know, I never did a, a five-year apprenticeship with a master craftsman. You know, I learned by screwing things up over and over again. Yeah, when I want to build something and I want people to take it on themselves, I want them to actually be able to build it. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 92 with Chris Straffy. Chris Straffy, aka The Capable Carpenter, just jumped into tiny house building a couple of years ago, but he has jumped in headfirst and since starting has completed a tiny house on wheels, a horse trailer conversion, he's even done repairs on existing tiny houses that have had damage, and he's just an all-round talented and kind of scrappy carpenter. He works with reused and salvaged materials and has a really cool mobile workshop that is actually built from a converted camper trailer. It's a wide-ranging interview, and Chris is a great guest, so I hope you stick around for our conversation. But first, I'd like to tell you about the sponsor for today's episode, Tiny House Decisions. Tiny House Decisions is the super helpful guidebook that I wrote five years ago to share all of the knowledge and decisions that I made to build my own tiny house, along with what I did right, what I did wrong, and how I would change things. The guidebook is now in its second edition. It's been completely rewritten and expanded to reflect how tiny houses are being built today. And it also includes several new tiny house stories from other tiny house dwellers. The guidebook has been expanded to include things like SIPs, and metal framing, and all the different kinds of insulations that are being used in tiny houses. And I seriously think this is the most helpful thing you can buy if you are thinking about living in a tiny house. If you go through the guidebook from start to finish, you will have a solid plan for all the systems and everything that's going to go into your tiny house. The second edition has been a long time in the making, and I'm really excited to share it with the world. To learn more, you can head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD. All right, I am here with Chris Strathy. Chris has construction experience ranging from marine construction to century-old remodels. Over the past few years, he has focused on minimal, tiny, and alternative living. His recent work includes horse and van conversions, a new tiny house on wheels, a few minimal cabins, and tiny house remodels. Chris is excited to be working on some cool conversions like an old bookmobile, school bus, shipping container, and barn, and will be featuring it all on his newly launched YouTube channel. Chris Strathy, welcome back to the show. Hey, Ethan, what's going on, brother? Not too much. It's great to have you. We actually, we've done this interview once before, but there were some tech issues, and I feel like when we connected last time, you had, you had just finished your first tiny house on wheels. And now I feel like you have an entire portfolio of, of cool, tiny projects. So what happened? Oh, well, that's kind of been the plan or at least the dream, you know, it's, um, the tiny house on wheels thing, as much as I love it. Um, I just think there's so many different ways. It's such a personal decision when somebody goes minimal or tiny or kind of changes into this lifestyle and that's just really my passion and you know just reusing is a big thing with me um the creative side of things i've always 
kind of looked at things that were there and thought of alternative uses for them. So that's just kind of what just living the dream as far as if, you know, if somebody has something and they want to think outside the box, that just fires me up. So that's, I've been really blessed to get these awesome jobs. Yeah. Awesome. And I, I remember when, when we spoke last, you had, what was the name of your tiny house? The first one that you built? It's okay to play. It's okay to play. That's right. It's and it okay has like play. all kinds of really unique, storage like built-in and hidden storage did you end up finding a buyer for that one i did yeah jenny bought it it is now named the rolling rosie and jenny and i met um at a show where i the second show i brought uh, it's okay to play to and we spoke for months about a custom build and went through the hurdles of uh tiny house on wheel financing uh, which is a big struggle out there. I actually almost got caught into a scheme along that journey. And uh, when it came down to it, she committed and she sold her condo and she had some equity in it. And it was so cool to watch her move forward. And during that, I had just planned to bring my tiny house to the lot she had so that mm-hmm. she could live in it while we moved forward in any way. We weren't really sure. We were just kind of both faithful that that's what was going to happen. And um, as that happened, it kind of just worked out that the financing thing was a struggle. You know, I wasn't an RVIA builder and, um, you know, that was my first tiny house. Uh, it was built well and um, did have a, a another inspection process. But, you know, it just worked out it, exactly how it was supposed to. She loves it. I think she's living her dream. You know, she's made it hers. I've got a chance to work on it a few times, change some things around, turn some storage that I had planned for kids and a storage for her pit bull named Bo and uh, some other things. So it, it was an honor and um, really just couldn't have worked out better the the process of going through that with her. Nice. I'm curious if you care to elaborate, what, what was the scheme? Um, so I think... Uh, Without getting into technical terms, I guess it was uh, maybe possibly something that was going to happen. And the planners of that, when they realized that couldn't happen, just kind of became, they were looking to take money from uh, builders and people, people's deposits, really. Um, They were taking deposits for tiny house builds and loans that they never had any intention of uh funding so we wow yeah we were really um yeah it just kind of worked out are they no longer in business i don't want to say it was us that exposed them because that wasn't the case we were almost sold on it wow but but it was uh i think a lot of people at this time it kind of exposed this was you know maybe eight uh ten months ago it just kind of came out that it was, you know, really not, um, you know, something that they were just, like I said, I don't know, lawsuit wise, we kind of, we didn't get involved, thank goodness. Wow. But that led us to, she had a chunk of money. I sold her my tiny house, what I thought was a great price. It was about half what she was going to spend. And it was just, it was in a, you know, that was, my tiny house was kind of my coming out party with this whole, you know, I've used that term before. Is, you know, just uh, how I build and, and my passion for for this whole lifestyle. 
but I'm not about building custom homes and then selling them or building them as specs um, because, you know, that was a real struggle. I didn't know who it was for. You know, it was really just about kind of thinking outside the box and, and having one opportunity to do that. But yeah, it was just that. It was something to add to the portfolio of ways to go minimal and tiny and be creative about it. Yeah, that's got to be tough to to build a house that you don't know who it's for. It's like you've you've got no no person in mind, so you don't really know what features it needs and and all that. Yeah, I I think it's almost I don't want to say easy. It's something that I just could. It, when you're talking about hundreds of uh, if even a hundred square feet, um, if you're not personalizing that to somebody or somebody's family, I just think you're being half as efficient as you could be. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not. Yeah, I guess that's it. I'm without yeah. judging people that are lots of people are buying pre-built homes and totally. living their dreams in it. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, just not me. So I'm I'm really curious, actually. I think it's. It's amazing now that tiny houses have been around long enough that now there are tiny house remodels. So maybe you could tell me about about a couple of the remodels that you've done and like what what changed? What did you change in them? Sure. Um so the a couple of the tiny house on wheels remodels were really just kind of helping somebody see a space that was designed for somebody else and how they could change it themselves. I wasn't really going in there and gutting it and more about helping them work through what they had. Um, one was a loft uh, designed for a couple, and then a single woman with a dog that couldn't do a ladder well uh, moved in. So it was kind of working through that. Um, going up and down the road beats up a house. So uh, you know I've helped out with some resealing, window sealing, roof trim. Uh, a lot of roofs are trimmed out correctly and look great, but when you're going in a you know 50, 60 mile an hour uh, direction constantly, you know as you know there's some things that can be overlooked. So I've helped a couple houses kind of get back where they were, um, you know, safe to go down the road and um, not going to get damaged any more than they kind of were, just from being the age they were. I was able to do a tiny house on a foundation remodel recently that was a desert shack. Um, that was an absolute blast. Uh, uh, a couple of real good friends of mine that are craftsmen came with me and we spent about eight days, a hundred hours straight, just went out to uh, the desert and pretty much finished off a shack that was uh, framing and old hardy board and uh, rolled roofing that had blown off. Uh, wow. So, yeah. So that was a really uh, fun deal. Is this Deke's shack? No. No, this was uh, somebody I met uh, at a workshop I had taught with him. Uh, but no, this was uh, her retirement place. And uh, this goes out every few months. And I think they had some people do some work. It's it's real hard to find people to do anything out there, especially anything to a certain standard. So this was a 16 by 25 building framed with two by sixes and then had sheet hardy board right on that. So it needed a little bit of structural work, but then we just came and finished it. Shoshogi bond a bunch of cedar, did an exposed beam ceiling, really pretty uh, exposed cedar interior, some board and bat look, deck all the way around, some sunshades. 
there was a water tank there, started running some plumbing and electric. Uh, I think they plan on coming back and, and kind of finishing off that how they want. You know, so certainly didn't uh, get it to the point where it's, uh, you know, ready to be lived in. That wasn't the intention anyway. It was just to do as much as we could in the time allotted. And uh, I think we we hit a home run. Like I said, I had some really good friends of mine with me. Deke was actually came out for the weekend. Uh, Sean, a buddy of mine that I grew up with, a real craftsman. And uh, Jim, another friend of ours who uh, has a lot of experience in the tiny house world. So Nice. Uh, and AJ, a friend of mine, AJ came out. She uh, lives in a tiny house and uh, also a craftsman, uh, carpenter herself. So it was a blast. It was a lot of work, but it was a blast. Uh, nice. I'm curious if based off of the remodels and the, the kind of repair work that you did, if it would change, you know, if you were to build another tiny house on wheels, would that would anything change based on what you've seen from the wear and tear of, of the road or, or anything like that? Yeah. So I haven't, I've told a few people this, but the first tiny house I ever stepped foot in was the one I built. I had never been inside one. I had, um, I certainly don't suggest that. I don't uh, probably hubris, but I just saw things a different way. Having said that I would do things completely different. Uh, not completely different, but I would do a lot of things different. Uh, weight distribution, um, materials as far as weight. Building a tiny house on wheels, to me, just because it's on wheels, there's still a huge array of uses. The one I built was designed to be moved twice a year. I thought, you know, beach six months, mountain six months in North Carolina. That was since I didn't have a customer or somebody in mind when I was designing it, that's what I envisioned was a, a classy, you know, like a, uh, say classy, you know, a luxury vacation home, tiny vacation home for somebody that if they had a full size truck or somebody to haul it, they could move it twice a year. And, um, you know, that's what that house was about. Um, it was heavy, you know, it was still had plenty of tongue weight, but it had, a deck built on the pressure treated deck that folded down built on the back so uh, if you're going to haul it with that up it added weight on the back if the house is loaded down to be lived in like it is now it's overweight um you know that house wasn't meant to you know have a full pantry and a full closet and a, um you know it was a decorative really nice showpiece but there's i would think about everything differently i guess is the answer of your question and i'm a when I built that house, I was real worried about not so much liability, but I did need to sell it. So I was thinking that a new trailer was the way to go at the time. And I think that's something that I have nothing against a new trailer. I would have used a different trailer built differently. The trailer I used was a coffin trailer. Absolutely awesome. You could have drove a, a dump truck on it, but the way I built uh, tying onto that and, kind of mending it all as one and to use the different trailer. Uh, and that would also depend on what the specific house, uh, you know, who's going to be using it, what they're going to be using it for, where they're going to be hauling it, that type of thing. So. Yeah. What were some of the like specific wear and tear things that you saw from houses getting moved a lot that like needed to get repaired? Corners, the inside corners on the 
three houses that I saw that had lots and lots of miles on them. Um, two of them were plywood, and one had a lot of sheetrock in it, um, surprisingly. Um, at least it was to me. Uh, I just, I worried about all three as far as their triangulation. I don't know. I didn't research how they were built, but to me, they all moved, you know, laterally more than I would like knowing that it was a house going down the road. I don't know if that's normal. I don't know if that's a, just from age, a user error, you know, if people are four wheeling with them. Uh, but that's just something that I would hope to not see in anything I built uh, for somebody that at least, a, you know, unless that was an understanding that it was a delicate house. Um, that was something that I noticed. Um, the houses I saw were built well. I mean, they were sealed well. They they all were very intentional about the the tongue side of the house being sealed up, protected. Um, one did have a window that um, was on the tongue side that had just a piece of plywood they put over it going down the road. You know, and actually the door on It's Okay to Play uh, is over the tongue. I just made shutters that it was a half glass door. So it had shutters that covered it. But yeah, I don't have any horror stories. I don't like to pick people's work. Uh, you know, I like to encourage people to use my mistakes and share their own. And But I didn't see any horror stories with the houses that uh, I was honored to to uh, work on. Nice. Yeah. Well, your, your, na- your business name is The Capable Carpenter. And, you know, your, your feed and soon your YouTube channel is just filled with so many cool projects that you've worked on. Recently, it looks like you you designed a, a simple kind of bedside table or desk for a tiny house. Yeah, I did actually. It that is in the. Uh, it's okay to play. It's pretty much the same table. Okay, uh, but I've used that in a few different applications, and uh, I did a little DIY for a Tiny House magazine last month, and I was asked to do another one, and I thought that that was something that people could actually use. Just it can be made big enough to be a cot uh, in a, a bus, uh, you know, big enough to be a four-person table or small enough to be a little bedside table. I painted mine up and put it in my shop. Uh, I, as you know, um, those listening may not know, but my workshop is an old ragged-out camper. But I put the one that I just built in there for my son. He, you know, I have a, three sons, but my middle son really loves to hang out with me, especially when I'm working when I can take him with me. So that's his little drafting table. Um, you know, it's not in the way when he's not in there, I can pop it down and got a little shelf on there for his colored pencils and whatnot to hang out in. So, but yeah, yeah it's a, it's one of those applications where I think it's, it's such an easy build. People can actually build it and it's something that people can use. I'm excited about that one. Nice. Yeah. I, I see in your work that you really focus on, on like the end user, which is great. Like you're not, you're not obsessing over like aesthetics. I mean, your stuff looks really cool too, but it's also like, it's all about like, is this easy to use and build, which is, is another skill. Like, cause you know, good builders can do amazing things, but to then also say like, here's a, here's something that I can, I came up with that you can build easily. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it's simple and effective is a, a passion of mine, but also, um, you know, I'm a framer by trade. I'm not, uh, you know, I never did a, a five-year apprenticeship with a master craftsman. You know, I learned by screwing things up over and over again. I've worked with some really awesome guys, but they let me do my thing. Maybe that that was the way they learned. But uh, so, yeah, when I want to build something and I want people to to take it on themselves, I want them to actually be able to build it, you know, actually be able to build it and it function like it's supposed to. And so I don't think the joinery side of things needs to be overthought in a lot of cases. Yeah. So I actually wanted to ask you more about your, your mobile workshop, uh, the doghouse, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, I, I've had the chance to see it in person. It's just, I mean, it's just cool. Like it's this black old camper and then you go inside and it's like a workshop. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. How, you know, had you seen a camper converted in that way before? Like, how'd you come up with the idea? And also like, if you don't mind sharing, like what, it, what was the cost for the project? Sure. No, absolutely. Um, I just put a tour out on my channel actually right. of what, what it looks like uh, up to date. It's been constantly evolving over the two years. It just celebrated its two year uh, in dog year anniversary with me. It's a 1985, 23 foot J code J series camper, a uh, tandem axle. And um, kind of the story behind it is about four years ago, I got healthy. Um, I've been a carpenter my whole life, but I was uh, struggling and also really, really just wasn't able to work physical sick. I won't go into all why that happened, but it's getting back on my feet, kind of starting back from nothing. But I was blessed where I got to a point where building a business, it came time to have a trailer. Like I, that's where I was at in my business. Um, and, uh, you know, I was looking around at car haulers and the prices and, it just didn't make sense to me. I don't haul cars. You know, I wasn't looking to spend five, six grand on something. The trailer sizes didn't make sense to me. I was really hoping to have something where I could work inside it. So it just the whole reuse way, I think that just, um, you know, clicked to me. So I started looking right away, found a few options. This one, uh, I bought for a thousand dollars. It did not have a title. It was still built out somewhat stock. Uh, they had done some home repairs to it. There was some rot here and there that they had attempted to fix, but I just gutted it. Uh, kind of used some things that I had, used some things that were on sale. Uh, Lowe's had the half-inch pallet wood uh, dog ear fence pickets so I got on sale, so I got a bunch of those. I had a bunch of metal. Just kind of went over it, got an open shell. And had fun with it. I cut the whole back out, opened it up so you could uh, kind of get in and out and load lumber. And the only thing I left original, or the only thing that's left original at this point, is the uh, table and chairs. And that had some triangulation to it, the reason I left it, but it's also cool. It folds down as a bed. And, uh, you know, I still have my lunch and it's my kind of office on wheels. But yeah, so it was part necessity, and just like my tiny house, I'll, I'll call it my coming out party. You know, I've resented, I got to a point where being a carpenter, I resented the commercial side of building and the waste and, and just kind of a lot 
and just wasn't happy with what I was doing. I loved what I did, um, just the way I was kind of day to day uh, on that side of things. So this was just a way to kind of, you know, be true to me, you know, just uh, how I roll, you know, it's just a paid for, you know, 42 rattle cans of black spray paint, you know, simple, effective, fun. You know, there's just all, there's art in there from my friends. There's a, uh, you know, old, old John Deere steering wheel that looks like a submarine hatch on the ceiling and, and it's effective. I mean, it's, I can work out of it. I can rip a full sheet of plywood out of it. I can cut trim in it. I have every tool I need in it. So yeah, it's just so much fun. What did the, what did the overall build cost? So I think by the time I got four new tires, it didn't have a title. So I had to get a $200 indemnity bond just to make sure that if it were ever proven stolen, uh, really easy to get titled in North Carolina. The title says 2018 home built trailer. And, uh, I think with everything, you know, not including my time, the initial three days it took to get the thing a shell where it was legal and going down the road. But I'd say I had under 2500 bucks in it when the thing was legal going down the road and a mean, lean carpentry wood cutting machine, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, it's... uh I think I figured around 12,000 miles I've put on it so far. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because you've you've lugged that thing up to Vermont twice now, yeah? Twice, yeah. It's been up to Vermont twice. It's been uh, Tennessee. I didn't take it to uh, Alabama, but uh, it has been up and down the East Coast. Got plans to go to Florida soon. And it burns up the North Carolina roads, you know, beach, mountains. It's behind me as much as it makes sense to, because, you know, I don't haul it when I don't need to, but when you have everything you need, if it saves me one trip a day, uh, it just makes sense to have back. Yeah. Also just like having sheltered, a sheltered space to work and all your tools, like, it's just nice to not have to like have a mobile version of what you do when you're like, oh, I really need my like three-eighths inch chisel but that's at the home toolkit like 20 miles away but you're like it's there you've got it all it really is a dream come true it's like the b team i don't want to say the a team but it's you know it really is uh you know i don't keep every single tool in the world uh in there you know we don't keep tile tools in there and masonry tools unless uh you know i know i'm going to be doing that but really my goal was you know if there's enough of a path and you know i got four wheel drive is to get in there and, and build wherever you want, you know, just off grid, yeah. you know, um, and also being efficient, you know, I, I can get it. I can make a cup of coffee, you know, I blow a tire, I fire up the generator, I make a cup of coffee. I get, you know, I, I think about how grateful I am to be in the situation I am and I go change my tire and I go to work, you know, I don't really have any big deals because everything is right there. Yeah, it's just you know, just makes sense. Uh, it made sense to me. It's so much fun to give tours of it. You know, at building supplies, guys that chuckle at it. You know, no offense to people with hundred thousand dollars worth of fancy you know equipment and all that. It's just some people want to chuckle at it, and I give them a tour, and they just can't help but love it because it just makes sense. You know, yeah, where everything is in it. 
how efficient it is. It's got a lot of personality, and I'll I'll <laughs> definitely link to the um to the YouTube tour off of the Thanks. show notes page for the episode because people should should definitely check it out. And it like it extends the kind of tiny mobile structure beyond just living, but also kind of shows that this is a concept that could also work for for work. You know, you could build out a little mobile workshop for, you know, if you do something that involves needing a workshop space, that that's, these these campers are just really available and cheap. And, you know, it doesn't matter how bad the upholstery is if you're planning on just gutting it out and turning it into a workshop space. No, yeah, a lot of them, especially the 80s, 90s models, the trailers are heavy duty. You know, they're, for the most part, really simple to work on. You know, if if they haven't gotten a lot of mold in them, and and a you know the roof and outside structures in decent shape, I met a guy in uh, Alabama that has a, I think the hippie camper. He's got a little vegan uh, food truck built out of a little camper. Seen a few businesses in the coastal North Carolina that have uh, just a variety of, you know, mobile workshop. So it's cool. Yeah, it's uh, certainly not the first to come up with the idea, but this one just made sense to me. No, it, it's it's super cool. Thanks, man. So you've also built um, you built one of my favorite little micro house designs, um, which I swear I'm going to build one one day when I have a, plot, a spot to put it, which is the Deeks transforming a frame. Oh, I love that thing. Yeah, yeah. I want to build another one soon. Yeah, he uh, about a year ago actually I built it. Yeah, I, I loved it when I saw the design and it, you know, it's been just about viral. It's got, you know, so many different takes on it. And, uh, summer camp last year, we were just talking about, you know, just spitting ideas out off each other. And, uh, he was kind of hitting around, you know, what my take would be on one. So he, uh, snuck me a set of plans and I had my oldest son with me who I don't get to see all that often. So I really wanted to make it a point to build something with him. Um, my buddy Alex Eves was in town for the holidays, so I had some labor, and we just had fun with it. Yeah, we kind of pounded the first few days out, the structure, and then I kind of let it sit and really wanted to use what I had laying around. So I kind of went through a bunch of salvage, um, did a, something a little different on one of the walls with some windows, and did book page floors, which is something neat, I thought was neat kind of a take on brown paper bag floors. Yeah, those those are so cool. So what's what's the process? Well, actually, maybe you should explain what book page floors are. Sure. So it's, uh, you could take any brown paper bag, anything fibrous like that, and you're pretty much decoupaging it or binding it to the wood fibers on the subfloor. Um, and then you're just polyurethaning over it. So you're just, if you know what decoupage is or you have any craft experience, it's pretty much all you're doing. You're using a water-based uh, uh, a poly, acrylic a poly, you know, getting whatever it is you're using, whether it's brown paper bags or book pages. I thought that was fun. I've seen the brown paper bags. I'm sure I, I've seen people do wall art with uh, sets of plans and, you know, boat plans and things like that, maps. But I'd never seen it done on a floor and I wanted to give it a shot. So. I got a few dictionaries. Uh, I think they were all French English dictionaries, and uh, I got all three of them for twenty five cents at a, a yard sale. 
Nice. So, yeah, and I could probably do three more A-frames with, I still have the pages, but just kind of pop some lines, laid them out intentionally, had fun, did like a little rosette in the middle of the floor. And they've held up well. I mean, it was, like I said, 25 cents. Actually, the acrylic poly I got at another yard sale, and I think I paid 50 cents for that. It was a half gallon that the top was rusty, but it looked sealed up and wasn't a clump. You know, it was like 50 cents. What's Amazing. And uh, it held up fine. So, yeah, it just went right over the subfloor, looked good. Just the idea was just have fun with it. So, And is the deck that's with it part of the same? flooring system or is that like a standalone separate little deck no so i changed that up i built it on skids so the a-frame itself i think is eight by ten by deke's plans Mm -hmm. um and i put it on 14 foot uh skids so i built the deck um the deck and the a-frame are all one piece cool I just uh, furred up where the A-frame is an uh, inch and a half so that water wasn't running back in there. So there's like a little step down, but it's not part of the plans. A lot of people add deck all the way around it. I just wanted it one piece. Yeah. So, Makes it easy to move. Yeah. So do you do you still have this one or is this one also found uh, no. its forever home? Yeah, it, I, I hope so. There's a really uh, awesome program and one, uh, a group of men and women in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, it's a retreat center called Lee Acres, and I did some work down there on a farmhouse, and they bought a little tiny house. I did some remodeling to, and did a horse trailer conversion for them. Just kind of helped them get their foot in the door and kind of get things together. But they bought small structure that Deke did at his North Carolina workshop, mm-hmm. and they bought my A-frame. So I a couple months ago helped load those up. We sent them down to Huntsville on a big tractor trailer low boy so nice yeah the um the horse trailer is super cool too oh thanks man appreciate it yeah that was blast that was i had no intention of doing it i did like a week trip down there and it was really just trying to do everything i could to help them they had lots of different people working on the place before we met and um, they were just trying to struggle in to get it where the place could be operational. And that's what I was kind of there to do. But plans changed when I got there. Some other people were working in the house. And of course, you know, they were paying me. So I wanted to keep myself busy. And they had bought the horse trailer. And there were plans to have me work on it. Um, there were pallets there. So I just kind of took a day to bust apart pallets and have fun with it and get it where. It's just the existing tack room on the horse trailer. I really didn't convert the horse trailer. Uh, I think their plans are still to convert the back, um, the two, it's a double bay, but a a small double bay uh, horse trailer. So there's still a lot of area to have fun with, but I just took the tack room and kind of gutted it, did the whole pallet wall, painted, put some lighting in there, kind of got the stink out, fixed the head a little floor spot that was soft so it could be a rental now it's a you know a queen size bed up in a tack room loft and a little spot to have your coffee and hang your clothes so uh that was fun yeah it was a blast actually so is the tack room kind of like was that already like insulated a little bit yeah this one wasn't um so the it's like a real heavy gauge metal on the top of this one the nicer horse trailers you get now, the tack rooms are, you know, amazing. 
luxury the, apartment. <laughs> yeah. So this was about getting it. Um, the My understanding of the stage that they were at is really just kind of get it. They're going to have lots of options as far as rentals and a retreat center. But I would look at it as glamping right now. Um, you know, the amenity or the uh, infrastructure isn't there, but they also want a place besides their multi-room farmhouse, a place that, uh, you know, people can, you know, lay their head down at night for a weekend. Yeah. Workshops and what. So yeah, that was really the point was to provide another. There is a air conditioning unit in there that I think their plan was to change it to the, you know, heat, uh, AC electric unit. So it, you know, it's reasonable to say that that's a cool little spot to spend the night on a weekend uh, insulation awesome. or not. Yeah. Awesome. Well, one thing that I like to ask all my guests is, you know, what are two or three resources that have helped you in your tiny house building that you'd like to share with our listeners? Sure. Um, well, um, not to, you know, not to ham you up, but your resources, uh, you know, all your resources, um, were big to me because they were free and because they were, there was actually substance in them. Thank you. You know, so, um, I was quick to use your stuff. I didn't do a lot of homework. <laughs> like I said, my, the first tiny house I ever stepped foot inside was the one I built. But right after that and learning, as much as I did just from the people I met and, and the community that I was all of a sudden a part of, you know, tiny house people, it's a group on Facebook where uh, I think it's policed uh, in the right way where it's really a positive group. And it's really all about people sharing their experience, uh, their mistakes, um, you know, their successes. So I've, yep. you know, that it's been really fun to watch that way. You know, before all this, I wasn't really that connected, you know, tech-wise. Um, just mm -hmm. kind of a flip phone kind of guy. Uh, you know, so I think the third, just in general, would be the community. You know, you, I just love tiny house people. I, I don't know if that's the you know right term for them, but, you know, the first festival I went to in Pink Hill, North Carolina, you know, uh, tons of these people have stayed in my life. Tons of these people have become my heroes. Tons of these people have become real life inspiration for me. So, you know, the resource itself has been the community, you know, the, the community of people that are wanting to kind of, you know, make the change or, you know, encourage others to kind of live this minimal, you know, what the world looks as, you know, as, as a little quirky. That community has been the biggest reason. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a, that's a great. It answer. is awesome. We are we are a cool bunch of people. We really are. Yeah, I, I can't. <laughs> You're part be more of it graceful. now, man. You're not. Well, I, and that to me, that's yeah, mind blowing. Yeah, just a dumb redneck like me. Like I said, that's you can't get rid of us. <laughs> I have no plans to. Like I said, it's uh really is such a cool group of people, and uh, if people doubt that, I challenge you to enter that community. Just come to an event. Yeah, you enter that community and then get back to. It. Yeah. Well, what's um, what's the goal? Not goal. What's the like overall theme for your YouTube channel? Are you doing like how tos? Are you just kind of showing off projects that you're working on? How? What's the YouTube thing all about? So it's really just about having fun. The idea I have enough 
I think alternative and creative work coming up um, that most of it will be my work. I'll be honest. It's just uh, too time consuming for me to do lots of how to's just because I'm so bad at that. Like I don't work that way. I can build and it's a lot of work. Well, and I don't, you know, I, I don't draw things before I build them in most cases, you know, if I have to, I will, but it hurts, you know, and I don't really want to do that. So, there's going to be a lot of, we call it redneckery. Um, you know, like I said, I was real sick. I make it a point to just have as much fun as I can. You know, I'm really grateful to be where I am. But, you know, that'll be some how-tos. Doing an axe throwing block video. That's actually the next video to come out. Uh, love throwing axes. A glitter cannon with a backpack blower. Um, that's a lot of fun. Um, uh, slingshot. You want know, to sling some old uh, pumpkins in the field. Uh, nice. just fun things like that. I made a hovercraft out of plywood and some stolen hospital parts. Wow. <laughs> Not really stolen. Yeah. They throw them out. Um, there's this cool little thing. Now they hook up the patients that they hook this little vacuum thing up and it inflates and it makes them really easy to move from one gurney to a next. And I, wow. my beautiful wife had our third child and I saw this go on and I said, what do you guys do with that? And they said, we throw it out. I said, no. So I took that home and, uh, <laughs> We made a uh, redneck hovercraft on it that worked uh, beautifully, actually. I hope uh, nobody builds one and gets hurt, but uh, you will see a video of me having fun with it. Nice. Things like that. Um, some tours, you know, uh, I get a lot of inspiration, um, but there's lots of tour channels out there. And, you know, a lot of them are friends of mine. And, and that's not really, not that I would be competition of theirs, but that's their thing and that's their gifting. So, it's yeah. going to be hopefully when I get in the groove of it, one or two videos a week of, uh, you know, my work, some how to's in there, a lot of folding furniture ideas, but just hopefully some fun having to do with tiny living. Yeah. Cool. Well, I will link to all this stuff off the show notes page. Um, Chris Stratthe, it was great, great catching up with you. Thanks for being a guest on the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Ethan. I really appreciate it. You can find the show notes, including links to Chris's YouTube channel and website, along with photos of some of my favorite projects that Chris has worked on at thetinyhouse.net slash 093. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 093.